You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. We were in love with one another. We sang songs and crooned to one another and just fell in love. There are a lot of children walking around today that I consider Motown babies because we sang about love. Motown pioneer Martha Reeves. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. When you talk about the best of Motown in the late 50s, early 60s, one of the names that has to be near the top of anybody's list is Martha and the Vandellas. Behind lead singer Martha Reeves, the girl group had a string of hit songs. After their heyday, Martha Reeves wrote a memoir. And that's when I had the chance to meet her and talk with her. So here now from 1994, Martha Reeves. I kept notes since 58. Yeah. I had things happen to me that affect me so badly or so greatly until I just felt like I should write them down. Maybe it was my way of talking to God because I had no one else would understand what I was going through. And uh, I always knew that I'd have to tell some of these stories one day for clarity. A lot of people don't understand what it was like to be on a tour for 94 One Night Dudes and to get associated and to grow and love uh, all the acts on Motown. And uh, the family thing, they think that you, you mean that you lived in a house together and had supper every day. That's not uh, the family that we grew to, to know. We traveled and experienced a lot of, of uh, exciting times. And uh, we learned a lot of things together as, in our youth that will carry us you know, to eternity. How do you manage to compress a rich lifetime like yours into one book? It was very difficult. Uh, Mark Beagle was very good to help me condense the 500 pages that we came up with down to the 245, I think, that were published. And uh, a lot of the stories that we looked through, we decided which would be the better to tell and which one would just just be just left unsaid. And um, we came up with some winners. He chose some of my choice poetry, about uh, 20 poems out of 150, and... Uh, it was a good experience. I'd never uh, written a book before or anything to have, have been published. And um, having two trucks loads of uh, material that I'd saved and showing up at his house in, in Tucson and going through them and having seeing how he could manage to stack these in pile one, pile two, pile three and <laughs> decide that this was in and that was not. And I did a lot of research. I interviewed a lot of my friends just to see what the opinion they had of the Motown sound and I found a whole lot of love I a whole lot of things that should have been said to us directly that uh, we couldn't take time to hear but also there's this there's three versions of everything yours mine yes. and the truth that's right but I basically wrote the truth and the truth hurts sometimes it hurts other people to hear it and um, my, my truth is innocence basically um, a lot of things I had to learn the hard way for instance going to elementary school and not being told that there was recess 
I felt real stupid. But then again, shouldn't you explain to a child when you take them and they've never been away from home before? There was no preschool program in my neighborhood. And to get them in a class and a teacher puts their coats on and takes them outside, not to tell them why they're going outside, that they're going to play. Who's had time to play? You know, <laughs> I walked home and... Uh, must be time to go home. <laughs> Mom sent me back. There's some lovely stories in the book, and I had to share them. I uh, had discussed this with Mary Wells, Eddie Kendricks, David Ruffin, Marvin Gage, Tammy Terrell, uh, Sandra Tilly, Paul Williams. To one day we should write some of the things down, some of our experiences. And the only people who managed to get their autobiographies done so far have been Mary Wilson, Otis Williams, and uh, Smokey Robinson. So I didn't want to wait another year or wait uh, another day before I actually sat down and put the memoirs that I'd collected together. Didn't, did you not count Diana Ross's book from last fall in that group? Or? Well, I guess I should, should have mentioned that. It, was, it wasn't as uh, much information in her book as I would consider an autobiography should have. I, I don't know. I'm judging right. I, I guess I shouldn't judge. But it looked like a book of pictures and uh, adoring pictures. We all loved it, you know. But as far as the Motown story and how we fared uh, through the trials and tribulations, uh, I think it left a lot to be desired. But I, I did get the sense from some of the names that you just mentioned that maybe there was a, a special urgency about getting the book done now while you still can. Yes, and then the Funk Brothers are leaving us. I talked to Euro Jones. Uh, I'm looking for Robert White, but most of the Funk Brothers, the guys who actually played the Motown sound and allowed us to be heard and complimented our vocals and came up with fantastic rhythm tracks, they're passing away. And they deserve a lot of credit because people want to know what the Motown sound is. It's a bunch of jazz musicians who never traveled with us, just stayed in the studio and cranked song after song out, 24-hour recording sessions to allow us to be heard and to make us unique and have a sound of our own. I didn't sound like the Temptations, neither did the Supreme sound like the Marvelettes. We all had different sounds. And we have to thank the Funk Brothers and William Stevenson in the A&R department for that. And the A&R department secretary. Yes. <laughs> I was the first, and a lot of people approached me. The first thing they say was, well, you're a secretary who became a singer, and that's the opposite I was a singer who went to apply for an audition at the wrong time, was asked to answer a telephone, and became a secretary. But you have to know how to do a lot of things and strike when the iron is hot. Be available and do the best you can at whatever you do, and you never know where your opportunity lies. Well, it, it struck me that so many times in, in your life, as in, in, I guess, in all of our lives, you're faced with a fork in the road, and you can either go this way or that way. Yes. Or there's a decision to be made, a phone call that comes in, a letter that arrives you know, yes. one day or the next day, mm -hmm. and how all these little turning points can change your whole life. Yeah, how, how curiosity will affect your life. Mm -hmm. And you have to know what you know, and sometimes you can't be told. I might have had a hard head at one time. You know, I might have thought I was doing things as opposed to being led by the Spirit or being asked. I ask for leaders and guidance now, and it's an easier life. But I mean, even even to even to go back to that first day that you showed up at Mickey's office and he that says that was by faith, wasn't and, it? And he says, "Don't you know you, you weren't supposed to come today?" Right. What to are you doing morning. here? Was very hard to hear first thing in the morning. Yeah, now, supposing you're, you're <laughs> supposing at that point your your eyes are just filled with tears and you said, yeah. "Okay," and you turned around and gone home yeah, again. Yeah, heaven only knows what might have happened. I would never have been on Motown Records and probably never been a performer because I was singing locally as Martha Laval and. Making $5 a night wasn't a big star, you know, and I, I was working as a, I had won an amateur show, and that's how I got in the 20 grand. I didn't qualify to be in the 20 grand. Usually, there's where most of the top performers would come, and we'd rush in there to see them. I um, 
won this contest, and they said, well, your prize is three days stay at the fabulous 20 grand during the happy hour. That's when people come in and have a drink mm-hmm. after work or right after church on Sunday. And uh, luckily, someone came in with a card and said, come to a company. I said, I'm in. I finally got discovered. And it was up to me to make the thing happen. And it took a little while, maybe four months before I was actually on a record at Motown. But my intentions were to be a singer, not a secretary. Boy, and once you were on records, you were really on records there for a while. Oh, we became known as the two uh, take artists. Uh, there was a thing, a standing uh, rule, that if you couldn't get a song in one or two takes, there was someone waiting in the wings. <laughs> you had to get it or someone else would get it. And um, I fared well. All of the songs that I accepted and attempted to perform, I did well. And we have some hits. Just a few. Just a few. After this short break, Martha Reeves tells how the Vandellas got their name. Now back to my 1994 conversation with Martha Reeves. <laughs> you, you tell the story in the book. Where did the name the Vandellas come from? Yes. We were, ha- we were having a, a meeting with Mr. Gordy after he decided to put the Delphi's, who had graciously backed Marvin Gaye on Stubborn Kind of Fella and came up with a good sound, to uh, get a name. Because that demonstration record that I made intended for Mary Wells uh, was up for grabs because she had left the company. And he very decided that I sounded good on it because when I was asked to sing it, I sang it as best I could. And um, we put the Delphi's on the background, and he was 15 minutes from sending it out to be pressed because they had been mixed and mastered and everything. They were excited about it. And um, he said, get a name or I'll call you the Tillies or the Pansies or something <laughs> silly like that. So I said, let's get a name that means a little bit about, that tells a little bit about Detroit. And if you've ever been there, Van Dyke is a street that runs parallel. You can go east, south, north, or west from that one particular street and find your way around Detroit. So I lived near there. I uh, admired and idolized Della Reese. I'm from Detroit. Reese, Reeves, the name association. So we lended a little bit of her name. Van Della's was derived, and Barry thought it was catchy. It looked good on the marquee. It has been lucky for us. How many Vandellas have there been over the years? We've had seven official Vandellas. However, I've worked with over 100 girls wow. at one time or the other. Vandellas um, were, the original Vandellas were Annette Helton and Rosalind Holmes. Well, after recording some of our major hits, Annette Helton got married and had problem preg- pregnancies in 64. So she only had two years before she actually told us goodbye, see ya, I'm married, show business, goodbye. She was so glad to get out of it because it isn't an easy life. And um, I love it because of the fun that I have when I relive my music with people who remember, who care, who have bought the records and nurtured them. I'm signing records now that are so tattered and torn until I know they were loved. So I have that to prove that I'm right. See, this is a, has often occurred to me, and the, the young generation, all they know is CDs. Yes. I mean, my kids asked me one day about what records were, and I, <laughs> and I was trying to explain this sheet of black vinyl that you drag a needle across and yes. sound comes out. And, yes. and I just got, my younger daughter got the most confused look on her face. She said, is that the black things in the basement? Yeah, you have quite a few, too, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's just going to be a whole different technology, I, I, I guess. It's just I have sat listening to music hugging album covers. And I've seen some that were probably hugged, too. You had something to put in your hand, something to hold in your arms. 
when we hear there's there's any number of songs that we hear that we think of Martha and the Vandellas, but is there one in particular that that says to you that's us, that is our signature song, that says that says it all about us. Holland Doja Holland were uh, singers when I arrived at Motown. Uh, Eddie Holland had just come off the road with Jamie, and was uh, declaring the road nevermore. He would never go back on the road. He said it was too hectic. Uh, he didn't like the drafts. He didn't like the schedules. He didn't like the fact you didn't get eaten. You don't get. I mean, you didn't eat and you didn't uh, rest properly. And he just didn't think show business was was for him. And um, he got with his brother, younger brother Brian, and uh, Lamont Doja, and their first song was "Come and Get These Memories." Esther Edwards was quoted as saying, when Barry first heard that, he said, that's the sound that I've been looking for. So that might be the beginning of the Motown sound. What a place in history you have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it sometimes, do you ever wake up in the morning and just feel like that's somebody else's life? That is, just, you look with awe on everything that, that you've done that has happened to you? I have to wake up first thing in the morning and try to sing the Lord's Prayer. Then I know I'm a singer. Sometimes I wake up and I can't quite get it together. And uh, after singing the Lord's Prayer, everything comes to, to be. Everything settles down, and uh, I know that I can face anything else that the day has to offer. <laughs> well, you've had quite a few days when you had some very big challenges to face. Yeah, there were days when I wasn't singing the Lord's Prayer. I just didn't know where to turn. Uh, there were dark days, uh, it's all in the book. I mean, it was hard to write and it was hard to relive, but it I think I should have shared it. Times. Yes, I had to share it, though, because there are a lot of aspiring people who want to get into show business or who have careers that they have to learn discipline to acquire and retain. And there are a lot of things that, that cause you to do certain things, and there are certain effects of, of, of uh, elements that you have to deal with. You have to face it. You're going to be confronted with it. I'd like to just warn a few unsuspecting country bumpkins like myself who had no experience prior to, had never traveled, and didn't know a lot about the street, was never a street person, but was actually in the street, dancing in the street. So to speak. So to speak. And uh, it's been a wonderful life. I've learned a lot. And I think that uh, I would have fared better had I been warned or had I been led and guided a little better uh, and I found out that the person, the only person that can do this is God, who knows where you are. You don't have to fax him. You don't have to uh, beep him. He's there all the time. All you have to do is just concentrate on achieving what you want to, to uh, succeed in. But there are those who would say there's only one school where you can learn all that you need to know, and that's the school of hard knocks. That nobody, yes. nobody can teach you. You have to learn it the hard way. Yes, but you have to trust someone. And I haven't found very many human beings down on the ground like, like myself that I can actually trust. So you have to have faith, and it has to be intact. I, I was born uh, into a large family. There are 12 children. My father was the son of a minister. So as a child, I went to Reverend Elijah Joshua Reeves' church every Sunday and two or three times a week for choir rehearsals and usher board meetings and, you know, just Bible study. So at the age of 11, I started not going because I felt I was getting grown, and I could have some say as to what I wanted to do. And as my life progressed, I backslid and backslid and backslid and forgot that God gave me this talent. I'm just a vessel. He's letting me do this, and without him, I can't. And I should be thankful. I should give him credit, and I should praise him more. 
so it's been easy since 77. I had a complete exorcism, I feel, up on Lake Arrowhead. And it's all in the book. I mean, it's important that you know that you have to ask somebody. These kids aren't aware of it, the ones running around shooting each other with guns and singing this gangster rap and trying to be gangsters. (laughs) Robbing stores and hurting innocent people. It's very discouraging sometimes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And we... uh, knew a different generation. We were in love with one another. We sang songs and crooned to one another and uh, just fell in love. There are a lot of children walking around today that I consider Motown babies because we sang about love. Even if you weren't permitted to uh, do anything unseemly on the bus tour. Well, we had chaperones. (laughs) And the guys had chaperones as well. And we didn't need to do anything as tired as we were. We 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 had to be made to rest. We had to learn discipline because there was no time to party and no time to get into mischief. However, we tried, and we had two hotel visits out of 94 one night or so. You would expect them to go just a little bit out of the routine. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, Mary Wilson and I were laying there in the bed with our hair and rollers sleeping when our door was kicked in. (laughs) Martha Reeves celebrated her 80th birthday a couple of weeks ago, and she still travels and performs. And you can find easy Amazon links to Martha Reeves' book and the music of Martha and the Vandellas at our website, HurtEverything.com. Oh, and while you're at HurtEverything.com, be sure and listen to my interview with Ronnie Spector. Even when I see the videos and the tapes from Hullabaloo, Shindig, it's like, who's that girl? But I love it because it was so much fun. In the 60s, when we, with all the twists and the, the jerk, all these dances going around, it was so much fun. And my conversation with Gladys Knight. We came across this song, and it said, Midnight Plane to Houston. We said, hmm, we like the way the storyline goes. So we came up with Midnight Train to Georgia. That sounds better. And, of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, one of the greatest Hollywood producers of the modern era, my 1994 interview with Robert Evans. I I made people cry, I made people laugh, I made people fall in love. I have evoked emotions that no one else could do. I'm an image maker and an emotion maker, and maybe a little crazy, you know, because to accomplish what I do, you can't do it normally. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. (laughs) 